0: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org
1: to learn more.
3: Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, one of the South's largest lenders. Buying a home these days can be tricky. Getting pre-qualified online with Trustmark helps buyers to move fast. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. More at Trustmark.com slash mortgage.
4: Good morning. It's 830 on Wednesday, November 29th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... State lawmakers are trying to determine what regulations are needed to legalize online sports betting. Then, Jackson community organizations are donating medical supplies to residents to help combat winter illnesses. Plus, identifying diseases and disorders early in a child's life can help them lead a healthier one. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State lawmakers considering policies that would be needed should online sports betting be legalized. A task force has met several times in recent months to hear from experts in cybersecurity, gaming regulations, and stakeholders from across the state. During their final meeting yesterday, many questions the committee had remain unanswered. But Republican Casey Err, he chairs the House Gaming Committee and says he plans on introducing a bill legalizing sports betting during the 2024 session. Democratic Senator David Blunt of Jackson is a member of the task force. He tells our Will Stribling whatever bill is drafted should protect the state's already successful gaming industry.
1: Well, the reason the legislature sets up task forces is to study complicated issues and to get everybody who has an opinion uh, around the table and try to talk about it and that's what we're doing uh, today this is the third meeting of the mobile sports betting task force we have a variety of different people on the task force everybody gets to have their say uh, they're public Uh, then there'll be a report issued in a couple of weeks and when the legislature reconvenes in January we'll have done some uh, done some research and had some discussions to decide if this issue is going to move forward
0: how do you uh Uh, expect that that peer report um, and just the work that y'all have done here to impact that discussion next year.
1: Well, there are a lot of complicated issues, uh, issues regarding mobile sports betting in a state that has a well-developed casino industry. And so we've been studying those, and it, it allows us to have some extra time. The legislative session is short. There are a lot of other issues happening all at once. And so we work in the off-season to do our, do our homework. So when the session starts, uh, we'll be further along and get some of those initial questions answered.
0: Would you be willing to share your, your thoughts on this particular issue or the concerns you may have after learning all that you have through these meetings?
1: Well, again, it's a complicated question. Uh, my primary interest as it relates to gaming in Mississippi is to protect the jobs of tens of thousands of Mississippians who work in this important business uh, that has a, a big economic impact uh, and you know, how will that be affected by betting on cell phones. Uh, And and that's a complicated question, and different states have done it differently, so that's what we're studying.
4: Sports betting websites can be accessed when someone is at a licensed casino in Mississippi. If a bill is passed, allowing for sports betting in more areas, casino owners say this could undercut their revenue and possibly allow people to skirt regulations. Don Mitchell owns casinos in Vicksburg and Tunica. He argues in-state gaming companies won't be able to compete with mobile gaming giants who can afford to lose large sums of money to attract customers.
5: Any form of online gaming, we believe, comes with a host, much larger host of problems, and it does benefits to the state. Uh, And I captured those in my comments, but primarily related to problem gaming, uh, underage gaming, uh, issues with harassment to our student-athletes. And then you get into the fairness of allowing operators like FanDuel and DraftKings to come into the market when they've invested no capital in the market, while we require the brick-and-mortar casinos to make huge capital investments. And they are going to dominate, as they have across the country, the actual revenue share of online gaming.
0: Yeah, can you talk a bit about that? I overheard you there talking about, that, about it being the Amazon model, right? Where that is, uh, explain how that works and how they, they starve out, you know, the, the smaller local businesses until they just can't compete.
5: Right. So when Amazon first came on the online retail scene, their business model was to lose... Hundreds of millions of dollars, as has FanDuel and DraftKings. I believe DraftKings still loses money, and what they're doing is establishing themselves as the go-to name that you know operator uh, in all of these markets. And that's what they do—that with their advertising campaign. So, in lieu of investing brick and mortar, as we've done in Mississippi, and employing people, they invest their dollars in. Advertising to a degree that they will be the operator of choice for the online market.
0: And there's an argument to something about just how Mississippi's uh, gaming regulations and scene compares to other states. You said that it's uh, been constructed really well here. And can you talk just a bit about how that is and why you'd like to see it preserved?
5: Yeah. So as a native Mississippian, been in the industry in one way, shape, or form since the very beginning in the early 1990s. And now as a owner of casinos in the state, what I appreciate about what happened in Mississippi is we adopted a model very similar to Nevada. It's a free market model with a reasonable tax rate. And as long as you meet the criteria for a legal gaming site and you can be found suitable, then you can operate a casino in the state. And so that competition has Driven and for the particularly for the size of the state, an outsized amount of capital investment compared to other comparable states and an outsized number of job creation and tax revenues, all because of the model that Mississippi created.
0: Looking forward now, what do you how do you see your role? And you know, as this continues to move forward, because the lawmaker said that a bill will be introduced, so
5: yeah, we believe that uh, what's happened to this point is there's been basically a manufactured demand for this product because there's been so much advertising for people to go online and try to wager. And when they go online and they can't wager, they're asked to then contact their legislators. What's not been brought to the table is are all of the issues that need to be considered and that the rest of the general public who are not out seeking this product should be made aware of. Uh, And so it's our job going forward as a bill is brought to the legislature to make sure that we educate not only the legislators on the concerns and the issues that are out there, but frankly the public as well, so that they can weigh in. Because we're talking about a statewide expansion of gaming that's been proposed with no local referendums, and we think there are several counties that have already proven that they have voted down gaming on more than one occasion who might have a concern about online gaming being forced on them without their say.
4: Don Mitchell is owner of two casinos in Mississippi. Supporters of mobile sports betting contend legalization would disrupt the massive amount of illegal sports betting that occurs in states without regulated markets. Coming up, Jackson community organizations donating medical supplies to residents to help them combat the spread of winter illnesses. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think
2: Radio. Get ready for the ultimate clash of football titans at the 2023 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi Gridiron Classic. In partnership with the State Championships Radio Network, MPB Think Radio will bring you three days of football action from the iconic Ole Miss-Vaught-Hemingway Stadium starting Thursday, November 30th and culminating on December 2nd. Don't miss the excitement of seven high school football champions being crowned starting November 30th right here on MPB. Think Radio.
0: Find out what home repair projects you can accomplish on Fix It 101 at 9. At 10, get help with solving technology problems on everyday tech. Then get your general health questions answered on the original Southern Remedy at 11. You can subscribe to the podcast of your favorite locally produced program on any podcasting app. After airing, all locally produced MPB Think Radio programs are available as podcasts. Subscribe using any podcasting app.
3: On Fresh Air, you'll hear revelations from well-known actors like Zach Galifianakis on the story behind his last name.
2: It's actually shortened, Terry. My real last name is Galifianakisberg. You know, (laughs) that's an exclusive for your show.
3: Fresh Air bringing you some of the biggest names in American culture and some of the most difficult to pronounce. Join us
2: weekdays at three on Think Radio.
5: Happy holidays from Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
4: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Several community organizations in Jackson yesterday to provide residents with free medical supplies to mitigate the spread of winter viruses. Colder temperatures often mean more indoor gatherings and people are also traveling for the holidays. Doctors say those conditions are a prime example of how viruses like COVID or the flu can most easily spread. Our Mike McEwen speaks with Kenithra Wallace. She's Vice President of Community Impact with United Way of Mississippi.
6: So we're here today passing out face masks, uh, car protective kits, uh, disposable car protective kits, and also sanitizer. We know that during the wintertime, a lot of bacteria, viruses start to spread. And so we've been really cognizant uh, since COVID-19 of how, to, how we can play a part of helping the community stay safe. And so we have received a huge donation, about 52 pallets of these of these supplies, and we're giving them out today. So we want people in the community in the Jackson metropolitan area to come by the Jackson Medical Mall. Um, We're right here off of um, Livingston Road, right next to the Piccadilly. Um, And they've been a great support in helping us make sure that we're able to distribute this in a... In a way that's convenient for all of our uh, residents in the city and surrounding area. So we want residents to call your family, call your church members, call your neighbors who you do business with and tell them, hey, we want everyone to be safe. Come get you some face masks, come get some car protective shields and get you some sanitizer for the holidays.
7: So it's the end of 2023 now. I think we can both agree society more or less has somewhat moved on from the Mm COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's still happening. It's still affecting people. What's the importance of handing out materials like this and getting the community out? To come collect them, even three years from when the pandemic began.
6: Absolutely. So a lot of times we know when things like the pandemic happen, um, or just major events happen, everybody is on high alert when it first happens, and then as time passes, people become a little bit more relaxed. We are just here to make sure that people keep it at the forefront of their mind. We know that um, COVID has been, um, it's been reported to be a virus, and virus mutate, and so we know this is something we may be looking at uh, dealing with. Um, for a long, long time, so we want to make people that people are still make sure that people are still um, mindful, be safe, protect yourself, put on masks during the holidays, um, and just exercise some of those same safety measures that we were exercising when we were at the height of the pandemic. And I, and I think as long as we do that, um, many of our residents can stay safe and healthy, and we won't see a lot of the uh, tragedy that we saw before.
7: Is there, to your knowledge, is there an accessibility issue for people, you know, able to get these materials on their own? And are you hoping that something like this can maybe bridge that gap?
6: Absolutely. So we contacted a lot of uh, health agencies. This is one of the reasons why we wanted to partner with the Jackson Medical Mall because there are a lot of health uh, agencies that are right here in the mall that service uh, elderly, service people who may not uh, ordinarily have access. And we've called uh, churches, we've called health agencies, we've called daycare centers. We're calling people that work with these uh, population of people to come in, bring their vans, their trucks, Um, and even for people who have neighbors that are elderly, come in and we're loading their Uh, vehicles up to make sure that they're able to distribute um, to those who would not otherwise be able to come.
7: How does this donation of 52 pallets how does that compare to previous donations I guess in the pandemic era?
6: Uh, wow. Well, during the pandemic, you know, like I said, everybody was it was heightened, and so everybody across the country was in need. And if you remember, there was a shortage of people trying to find masks or being able to access what they needed because it wasn't just isolated to a certain region, it was global. Well, now we're able to be proactive, we're able to uh, take some of the supplies that we have and make sure that people have them. Heaven forbid something like that happens anytime in the near future, but just to be safe, we'll, we'll know families be safer by having some of these uh, supplies on hand.
7: Okay. Uh, that's all I wanted to ask. I'm not sure if there's anything you want to add.
6: I just want to say that United Weather the Capital Area, we focus a lot on education, health and wellness, and empowering uh, our citizens economically. And all of this plays a part because even with COVID-19, we were all impacted economically because uh, businesses were closed because people were alarmed by you know being contaminated by different things, uh, health and wellness naturally, but also being staying educated and informed on what we can do to be healthy. So this is a this is a primary focus that we have, and we're just happy to be here. Happy to be a part, happy to be able to um, distribute these supplies to the community and happy to continue to educate people to be aware that their health and wellness is wealth. Health is wealth.
4: Kenithra Wallace is with the United Way of Mississippi of the Capital Area. Mississippi reported 78 new COVID-19 cases that led to people being hospitalized over the past week. Next, identifying diseases and disorders early in a child's life can help prevent them uh, from having problems later on. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
2: Get ready for the ultimate clash of football titans at the 2023 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi Gridiron Classic. In partnership with the State Championships Radio Network, MPB Think Radio will bring you three days of football action from the iconic Ole Miss Vaught-Hemingway Stadium starting Thursday, November 30th and culminating on December 2nd. Don't miss the excitement of seven high school football champions being crowned starting November 30th right here on MPB Think Radio.
3: On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast.
5: Your old vehicle could be your next donation to support Mississippi Public Broadcasting at mpbonline.org.
4: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Doctors and state lawmakers are working on a plan they say could help children lead healthier lives. Approximately 19,000 children in the state experience developmental delays. A visit with a doctor could help catch symptoms early, but experts say there are severe gaps in pediatric care across Mississippi. The Early Intervention Task Force is recommending changes to the state's First Steps program. It serves infants under three years old with qualifying developmental delays. Our Will Stribling speaks with Task Force Chair Dr. Susan Buttress. She says the Early
3: Steps program is essential in helping these children reach their potential. I believe we've come up with a a great report with some good recommendations that hopefully eventually will help us get in a really excellent direction for our children birth to three for early intervention
0: services. Uh, In those recommendations, which one or one stand out to you as having the biggest potential for impact as as far as the delivery of these services?
3: Well, (laughs) that's a great question, but I really do think that each and every one of the recommendations are important because together they'll make a huge difference. Um, Easing access to services, being able to make it easier for the providers who are imparting the services to be able to make a living wage and continue the services, and and then to better educate parents and our our pediatric medical providers about the services that should be there for children birth to 3 and the importance of accessing those services as early as you can to so that The child won't need continued services later. Many children with the milder disabilities, um, once they receive services for maybe a few months or even a couple of years, uh, tend to be remediated and be able to go on to regular kindergarten, which is our goal.
0: I know a lot has been said about the the pay and chase model, pivoting to that. Is that recommendation in, in there?
3: Absolutely, Um, that is one of the issues that seem to be uh, an outstanding issue for providers who are trying, like I said, to make a living doing uh, the services that these young children need. So what the pay-and-chase model is, is that the health department, would pay the providers as they're imparting the services. And then the health department, Dr. Edney, has made the commitment to then, if he has the funds, to um, to pay the providers, and then he uh, bills for services too, Medicaid to private insurance, and then if, for whatever reason, the child has neither of those, which is really a small percentage of our population in Mississippi, but if they have neither, then the health department, early
0: intervention services, are the payer of last resort. Who was the task force member who had, it sounded like had some reservations, and maybe other lawmakers will too, about kind of turning the Department of Health, into a sort of central bank in this instance. Do you have anything to say about those, those concerns? Well, actually, that was,
3: I think, just a little bit of confusion um, coming from um, one of our advisors wanting to make sure that there wasn't mixing of Medicaid monies with early intervention services money. But that was not the issue at all. The issue is that there have been young children in that birth to three population who have been receiving. Uh, services like speech therapy or a physical therapy or a occupational therapy, but not through the early intervention. Um, services, the first step services. And what we would like to do is for all of our children who need those services to go through our early intervention services based at the health department so that we, we really have a better indicator of what's going on. Um, and so what we were asking is that Medicaid perhaps shared numbers of money spent On those birth to three children who are not enrolled in early intervention, if that makes sense. Yeah. We will have, we're really excited. One of the last things we did at our meeting today was ask Dr. Edney and the health department to be the host website to have the task force report housed on the website. So it will be there, and so um, we are working on getting our final report out. It should be out in the next week or so, and will be presented to the legislature, and then it will be um, out to the public.
0: That's, so I know that this is um, partly uh, designed to address the concerns that providers had over not getting paid if this is implemented do you think that smaller providers across the state are going to be more willing to be partners in this and start providing the services again
3: Absolutely. I think we cannot expect people to work, no matter how good their hearts are. You can't expect someone to work and then not get paid or to wait for six months before they get paid while their bills and their house payments are apartment rent is mounting. And so we have heard from providers all around the state saying that this has been, a huge issue over the years, and if we could help them with that, they would be willing to stay. But we've lost providers to other states. Because of this issue, we've um, lost providers who have gone to serving other individuals outside of early intervention for this very reason. Even though they would love to serve young children, it's just too hard if you can't make a living wage.
4: Dr. Susan Buttress chairs the Early Intervention Task Force. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.